morning, afternoon, good evening, and welcome to this iteration of Faster Than a Stand-Up. I'm Brent Lamont. I'm Mark Herbal. I'm Patrick Dodd. So in this iteration, maybe even a couple of iterations, we're going to talk about the most recent update to the Scrum Guide. About every two to three years, the Scrum Guide gets updated with the 25th anniversary of the beginning of Scrum. We have a new iteration. You can read more about this at scrumguides.org, but I thought it'd be good for us to jump in with our thoughts. Patrick, you want to add anything to that? Sure. Absolutely. So the reason that we're devoting an entire episode and possibly a couple episodes to this is that um, the Scrum Guide is basically what we look to as what does the industry know about Scrum? You know, that's the, the official document where if somebody has a question, they're revamping the educational materials they have within their company. They want to know what does the industry do about Scrum? We go to the Scrum Guide. And so when it changes, it's a pretty big deal because we want to make sure that uh, we're consistent with what everyone else in the Agile and Scrum space are, are doing and thinking and, and where their headspace is at. And so um, this, this episode is going to be focused on what has changed. Uh, it's been 25 years since the original was created. So, you know, being Agile, we want to inspect and adapt and make edits. And that's what uh, Ken Schwaber and Jeff Sutherland have done. And so we're going to be talking about uh, the latest edition, the 2020 edition of the Scrum Guide. And there are a, a lot of tone changes. Um, uh, several to be named are they're um, changing, they're softening the verbiage a little bit to be less prescriptive. Um, there's clarification around the makeup of the team and how that's worded, which we'll talk about and uh, clarification around the Scrum Master role. And also something that I'm really happy to see is there's an emphasis on what is termed the product goal, um, which is the goal of the product backlog, which is, um, I, I usually think of as the product vision. And in the past, um, the Scrum Guide hasn't had that. It's had basically the backlog as a collection of items that could or may not be related to each other, which leaves a lot of room for uh, lack of strategic planning. So. Yeah, so they they actually list seven major changes on the Scrum Guides site, and it's under scrumguides.org slash revisions, and they list all seven, and I think we're going to take a hodgepodge approach to it. Mark, what's your favorite? Uh, I think it's the, it's probably the softening of the language, and as we talked about before we started, there's it's a little less prescriptive and that's both positive and negative. The less prescriptive means that less people would be pulling out the scrum Bible and thumping it and saying, this is how it works. The, and I think we've all met those, but the flip side of that is because it is a little bit less prescriptive, that means people still will periodically try to cut corners and they'll have a little bit more ability to do so. And so we're gonna have to go back to the core, back to the fundamentals, which is, that sounds, that sounds groovy, but it doesn't meet the minimum requirement of doing Scrum. And I, I'm very glad that they left in that emphasis, which is basically we don't have a lot of rules, but the rules that we do have have to be followed or you're basically not doing Scrum. And that's the thing we'll have to come back to. Like, how do you see this thing you've come up with as following these you know, requirements? Well, to that point, I think that it's, nice that they thinned it out, right? It was something like 19 pages and now it's 13, right? Mm -hmm. So I mean, they eliminated a lot of verbiage. They made it, I think what was nice is that they made it more flexible, right? Because, you know, as I've said many a time and actually have had thrown back at me in this very podcast, 
you know, it depends, but we always, we have, we as a group have always said, you know, you can be more flexible once you have the fundamentals down. Right. And I think what I appreciate about all of this is, you know, trying to get things just a little tighter with less words. And I think they did a really nice job of it. So Patrick, what's your favorite? So my favorite, I actually have a couple tied. I can't answer that <laughs> because um, my, I, I would say if I have to pick one, it would be the product vision um, or I'm sorry, okay. I call it the product goal. Product goal. Um, because beforehand, when one of the, I, what I've seen is one of the uh, fail points of Scrum is that they never addressed strategic planning or any type of goal for the thing that you're building. Um, in the Scrum guide before, it's always been a collection of things that may or may not be related, but you know, they're, they're, they're just, this, this backlog is a collection of stuff that you take the top off and, uh, and start working on it. And I think where this is, there's a little bit more of a high level leadership and a high level planning function to Scrum. It's not directly described in this, but it's the implication is that you need it. And, and you need something that is going to show you where the product goes versus an implied responsibility of the product owner that's never really clarified before. And related okay. to that is something that surprised me, not in a bad way, but they say, you know, teams should be a certain size. When they get too big, you should break them apart. And then they very explicitly say, and I'll quote it here, therefore they should, they should share the same product goal, product backlog and product owner. The fact of a shared product owner is an interesting change and actually reflects what I found when we've had a number of problems with teams that work together, it's because they don't have a shared product owner. Um, or I think a goal, that, right? Or, yeah, or a goal, absolutely. And so this will go a long way towards just fixing some of the basics in terms of this, this isn't scaling so much as coordination. Um, scaling is something that gets layered on top of that. But I think that really helps to define better uh, you know, collaboration, uh, coordination, et cetera. Yeah, that's, it's, it's interesting you say that because that's um, one of the things I actually heard Jeff Sutherland say when I saw him at a convention a few years ago is we don't have a problem with scaling. We have, we have a problem with not knowing how to prioritize things. And so I think that's, I, I see a lot of that coming out in here. But that's something that's really stuck with me is like people use scaling as a scapegoat when usually it's not the case. We have scrums, we have safe, we have less, we have bad. There's all sorts of things you can use. Yep. I've worked, I worked for a company where everybody said we suck at planning. It's like, no, we suck at decision-making. Planning comes later. <laughs> yeah. So I would say that my favorite, if I had to pick like one of the seven, I think it's going to have to be the oversimplification for a wider audience. Because, you know, as you guys know, I've been always on the look. It's not just for dev teams. I appreciate a lot of things that they've thrown into this to where, uh, and we can get into it more. I have a feeling we're going to another episode quickly where, you know, the team, it's not just the dev team, the product owner and the scrum master. They are all recognized now as one unit and it's actually, you know, listed as a unit, but it's the things like the, you know, if I'm going to pull out the quote, it's the, the sprint backlog is updated throughout the sprint as more is learned, which is so awesome because of those people who are like, you can't ever bring something into a sprint because that's a no, no. 
And it's like, nope, it says right here in the scrum guide, you can bring stuff into the sprint. But to Patrick's point, when we were talking about it before we started recording, don't abuse that and don't use that as a way to wedge in new work. Yeah, but do, do you have a what it actually says about it? Uh, the, the quote is, the sprint backlog is updated throughout the sprint as more is learned. Yeah, now that's the key point, which is... Yeah, yeah. I'd go back and say, really? What did you learn? You didn't learn anything? So we're not... <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, one other thing that I thought was was super awesome was the fact that they removed the three questions, Mm -hmm. right? Because instead of what I do today, what I or what I do yesterday, what I do today, and do I have any blockers? That's gone. Yes. And how awesome is that, right? The, The reason that I especially love that is that those three questions, I believe were uh, basically the recipe for cultivating an anti-pattern of stand-up, which is status report. Yep. That, is the, that is the way to give a status report. And that's what we don't want to see in stand-up. Yep. Well, and, and I, you know, we as a, as a team have worked on pushing people to think about it towards the sprint goal, right? So I think it's good that it's more verbalized as, you know, I don't care how you're doing it. What I care about is, are you trying to reach now the sprint goal? You know, and the conversation gets pivoted. I think there's going to be a lot of unlearning to your anti-pattern, Patrick, is that there's going to be a lot of unlearning on teams. And it, you know, here's the thing. People who listen to this podcast, people who are, you know, coaches and hardcore scrum masters, they're going to be the ones who have read the scrum guide and they're like, woohoo. It's going to be now disseminating that and making that flow out through all of the teams throughout the world to make that happen. And there's going to be a, it's going to be a little bit of a shove in some, in some places. But imagine if you will, that you have a, that you have a dev manager that's rather controlling. You might have, for example, a standup now that we've moved the three questions in which it degenerates into the dev manager saying, where are you on this? Where are you on this? Where are you on this? Right. Sure. So to say there are no three questions leaves a gap of how should you do it and still conform to the concepts of, you know, openness, transparency, sure. and, and and now I'm going to bring the scrum guide to change again in here by saying self-managing as opposed to self-organizing, right? Because right. that's another change in wording. But how do you get a team to, now there's, there's teams that I work with today if I told them tomorrow, you're no longer allowed to use those three sentences, they would be fine with it and they would continue to move forward and do it well. There are others though that would say, we're not quite sure what we should do and it would degenerate into status again. So I get that the purpose is to remove status and it is an anti-pattern when carried to an extreme. But I, I'm curious to see what some of the teams would do given that vacuum that's created, You know, how will they rise to the occasion and still maintain the idea that they're self-managing and trying to solve a common problem, right? Well, there was one thing I thought was really interesting is I actually did a word count between two words that I saw they used a lot, that they kind of pivoted between accountability and responsibility, right? Mm -hmm. So it used to be that there was a lot of the PO is responsible for it or the scrum master is responsible for it. Now they say the PO is accountable for and the scrum master is accountable for and the team is accountable for. So I, I like that they they made it more about saying who's ultimately accountable as opposed to the person who does the work but may not have accountability. 
So did I miss it in the first one? But I think in this one is the first time where they say the product owner doesn't have to do some of these things. They can delegate it, right? It's the yeah. first time they've said that, right? First time. Yep. Yeah, so I was, I was glad to see that too. Kind of on that same vein, one of the things that I really liked about they changed the Scrum Master verbiage. Uh, the, Scrum, the Scrum Master is accountable for causing the removal of impediments. So beforehand, there's been this misnomer that the Scrum Master is supposed to fix everything. Yeah. And there's some things the Scrum Master can't fix, but they should be able to facilitate the removal of. Right. I also, I also liked, and I highlighted, removing barriers between stakeholders and Scrum excuse me, scrum teams. And what that, what that means is you should still have stakeholders, for example, talking to the product owner for requests and things like that, not going directly to the teams, but you should be able to figure out how best to have everyone work together, you know, and it's removing barriers between stakeholders and others. That's, I don't think that's ever been stated before as part of the role of the scrum master. And I have to say the more prescriptive definition of a scrum master for me is, far, far better because it's one of those roles we've had a hard time. It's, 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 it's like that famous quote, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I can't define it, but I'll know it when I see it. Yeah. You can tell a good scrum master, this gives you a little bit more leverage to say, here are some more concrete things you could do, you know, to meet those requirements. And this removing barriers between stakeholders and um, scrum teams is a really nice addition because it is something that people should be doing, but may not feel that it's within their purview. Also, they talk more, I think, than ever before as a change agent for an organization. Mm -hmm. They tended to be more fixated on teams, and now it seems to be team all the way up through org. Yeah, Yeah. that's one thing about the guide as a whole that I love is that it's much more global. It's much more org-wide versus let's have a sprint, you know, (laughs) that kind of thing. Okay, so I think this is a perfect place for us to pause And since this is kind of time sensitive because we're trying to get all of this out as quickly as we can, the next episode is actually going to be tomorrow. So for those of you who, you know, live and die by our podcast, and I know there's about (laughs) three of you, the next episode will be out tomorrow. So until then, I'm Brent. I'm Mark. And I'm Patrick. Until the next iteration, you can give us a rating at your podcast provider. Shoot us an email at info at fasterthanastandup.com or find us on Twitter at Faster Standup. Thanks for listening. And that was Faster Than a Stand-Up. <laughs> <laughs>